Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. I want to look tonight in the book of Romans, continuing our series in Romans. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 30. Tonight's subject is glory revealed in us. The glory revealed in us. The Bible says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the, with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to the futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Not only that, but that we also who have the firstborn, the firstfruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good. Let me hear you say good. Good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Wherefore, moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. God revealed in us. God revealed in us. Sometime back when I was a youth pastor here at this church, I got a phone call from another pastor separate from this congregation. And he said, Brother Justin, I am distraught. I do not know what to do. I said, tell me, what troubles you? And he said, my son, my son, who I have dedicated my life to disciple and to teach the apostolic ways, came home today from school and he declared to me that he is an agnostic. He said, I have raised him in church. I have raised him in this truth. And I have modeled this apostolic lifestyle to him. And my wife and I are absolutely devastated. And I was praying and I felt your name come to my spirit. And I am calling you to see if you will reach out and minister to my son. And I said, absolutely. And uh, I said, what is his number? And he gave me his number and I called him. And I didn't tell him why, although I'm sure he knew, but I said, let's go and get some coffee. 
sometime this week. So we set up a time and met at the coffee shop in the evening. And uh, I said, I'm here because your father is very concerned with these new ideas that you have. I said, why don't you tell me what is going on? He said, you know, he said, I have grown up in church, but in the last few years, I have come to the conclusion that there is no God. And I said, really, why? He said, well, I've been reading books, and I've been listening to my teachers, and I've been observing this and observing that. And another thing that I see is all the pain in the world and all the suffering in the world. And if there was a God, there wouldn't be so much pain and there wouldn't be so much uh, suffering. And jokingly, I sipped my coffee and I said, yeah, we're really suffering, aren't we? And he just kind of looked at me and I'm like, it's a joke, man. You can laugh. He said, oh, well, okay, yeah. But uh, he kind of, that kind of just was the seed in the beginning of that conversation. So I mean, for like an hour and a half, he just told me everything that was wrong with uh, believing in God because observing the world. And I said, let me ask you something. You've grown up in church. He said, yes. I said, have you ever cried in church? And he said, yes, I have. I said, why? He said, well, I felt something. I said, you did? He said, yeah, but it must have been my emotions. I said, come on, man. Nobody cries for no reason, especially guys, right? We don't cry for no reason at all. I said, you had to have felt something. What was it? Was it the, uh, the sound system? Was it the hand clapping? Was it the praising? What was it? And he said, well, I, I, I. he just went silent and looked at me. And I started just going down the list. You mean to tell me that when you spoke in tongues, that was just you? That was just emotion. That was just your mind, you know, jibber-jabbering. He said, I don't know what to think. I said, I'll tell you what, what else. I said, have you ever seen a miracle happen in church? He said, well, yes, I have. I said, if there was no God, then how did the miracle happen? I went through all of the feelings. I went through all of the signs. I went through all of the wonders. And I could tell the light was coming on in his eyes. And then finally I looked over and I said, you see that beautiful sunset? He said, yeah. I said, how can you look at that and get the equation that there is no God? And he began to tear up in his eyes. And I said, have you ever read your Bible cover to cover? And he said, no. I said, you mean to tell me you have read all of these books that are contrary to the way that you were brought up? You've read all of these books. You've listened to all of this. You've observed all of this. But you have never read your Bible. And you have never dug deep dug deep into your faith and your hope and all of these things. He said, I guess I haven't. I said, you can't fairly, being fair and true to yourself, say there is no God without doing all of these things. And he said, you're absolutely right. And it was about a week later, I got a phone call from him and he said, I am back on track. I believe in God. He said, I don't understand all of the sufferings in this world, but I cannot deny the things that I have seen the things that I have felt, the things that I have heard. I've never seen God face to face, but I have seen the works of God. And I'm going to dig deeper. I am going to search God. I'm going to search myself. It's been about 15 years later. That young man, amen, repented. He got bright with God. The Lord blessed him with a beautiful wife. He has children, and he is in the church of the living God to this day, praise the Lord. <laughs> Suffering is a major concern for so many people. It's one of the major excuses that if there was a God, why is there so much pain? You know, they look at all the suffering and they say there is no God because if there was a loving God, there would be no suffering. 
You know, I want to ask those people, is your house perfect? Most of them would probably say, well, kind of, I guess. I would ask them, do you think there's any bugs in your house right now? You know, if they say yes, well, why haven't you killed them all? You know, or why are you letting them live? You know, nothing is perfect. Nothing is perfectly in order in this world. If anything, all of the suffering and pain does not prove that there isn't a God, but rather it proves that there is actually an evil in this world. And the only way to escape this evil is to run to a loving God. Romans chapter 8, this passage that we read, opens up with talking about the current sufferings of this age. And the Apostle Paul said that the sufferings of this age, they cannot even be compared to what God is going to do when he reveals himself in us. It's not talking so much about the church here and now. It's not talking about the life-changing experience that us as apostolics have here and now, although there is something to say for that, and there's other passages in the Bible that deal with that. But it's talking about the future glory that is to come when the Lord returns. And he says the things, the sufferings that are happening now cannot even be compared to what God is going to do when he glorifies your body just as he is. Nothing in this world can compare to the world to come. There is nothing similar in the glorious age, the resurrection, the new heavens, the new earth, that can even come to anything close to what has happened here in this present time of suffering. The Bible says, it goes on to say that creation itself is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Meaning this earth, the grass out there, the trees out there, Mount View High, the plains, the lakes, the mountains, the oceans, the sun, the moon, the stars, all of creation. It is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, meaning the glorification of both the Old Testament and the New Testament saints at the second coming of Christ. Why is earth waiting for this? Maybe you're thinking, first of all, how does earth even wait? How does the land even know? Although earth may not have an intelligence like you and I, earth knows its creator. It knows its creator. The trees know its creator. The sun, the moon, and the stars. And what's interesting is all throughout the creation, everything has obeyed God except mankind. The sun has never disobeyed God. The moon has never disobeyed God. The stars have never disobeyed God. Earth, all of the planets, everything in the cosmos, in this creation, none of it has disobeyed God. The only thing that has is mankind. And I think earth knows this. And I think the sun knows this. And the moon knows this. It knows what is out of order. It knows what is out of balance. And that's why the Bible says where we read, all of creation, it is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Meaning earth is not bitter at mankind. The sun is not mad at mankind. The moon is not mad at mankind. All of the things that we have that we call sufferings after mankind sinned by eating something that we should not have. The ground was cursed. The flood came and destroyed a lot of what earth was originally supposed to be and do at the beginning of creation. The seasons came, and because of that, earthquakes now are here. 
There's now volcanic eruptions throughout the earth. There's now devastating, destructive storms. Now we have droughts. Now we have heat waves. Now we have blizzards. We have so many things that earth is doing to groan. But it's not groaning out of bitterness. And it's not groaning out of hatred. But rather it is groaning for the Savior himself to descend, amen, from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and to call up his holy ones into heaven to be glorified. Amen. (laughs) Because earth was not originally fallen in the beginning. Oh no, this world was created to be a paradise for mankind. It was created to be a lower dwelling realm for God to dwell in. Heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. The prophet says, amen. But because mankind fell, mankind could no longer live in a perfect world because mankind was no longer perfect. God wanted earth to reflect what mankind had become. I said it a few weeks ago and I'm going to say it again. God is not dead, but if anything, man has become dead to God. But thankfully, Jesus Christ came full of truth And full of life. And he hung on that cross and he died and he rose again. So you and I wouldn't have to die and go to hell. But so you and I could live and go to heaven with him. Praise the Lord. That is the hope that we have. That is the salvation that we have. Hallelujah. Oh, God wants to reveal himself in us when that day comes. And creation wants it because creation wants to feel perfect again. The ocean wants to feel perfect again. The land wants to feel perfect again. Lions want to feel perfect again. Lambs want to feel perfect again. That's why the prophet said, I saw in that day, hey man, the lion shall lay down with the lamb. Praise God. Earth knows it will not be perfect until the saints of the living God have become perfected in that day. And that will happen at the return of the Lord when he clothes us, amen, those who are alive and remain with immortality. And those who are asleep in the graves, amen, their soul is going to reunite, amen, with their body in the earth. And they're going to come up out of that grave, amen, glorified forever. And that's when earth is going to see perfect mankind like Adam and Eve were. Mankind will be restored, amen, for God will wipe away all of the past. Behold, he will come and make all things new. Every man, every woman that has obeyed the gospel. And when that happens, amen, new heavens will come and new earth will come. And all of the centuries of groaning will pass away. And behold, all things will be made new. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord? Creation is groaning. Pestilence has come throughout the earth. Famines have come. Wars have come. Commotion has come. Chaos has come. Why? Because suffering has been brought to this world because of sin. The right word read here in tonight's Bible study, it came and it was subjected to vanity. It was subjected to hopelessness. But it was not done without hope. For God spoke to the woman and he said to her, your seed will arise 
and bruised the head of the serpent that introduced the idea of sin to us all. Jesus Christ came, a direct descendant of that woman, and with his blood dripping down from that cross, bruised Satan under his feet, and it gave us that hope. Praise God. Hope is something that a lot of people have a hard time understanding. You know, you have love, you have faith, and you have hope. Hope is simply desiring something beautiful that you cannot see. If you can see it, then there is no hope. You don't have to have hope. It's there. It's present. Hope is something that you long for that's in the future to be brought to your current present. Praise God. This great hope that you and I have is something so dear and so special. The Bible says that when Jesus returns, he will return in the clouds. I used to go outside and look at the sky like at recess at school or on the bus on the way home and look outside and wonder, could this be the day? And I remember coming across that scripture in Sunday school and I realized he'll never come on a clear day. It's got to be a cloudy day. That's why I loved cloudy days even to this day, but I later found out it's not really the physical cloud, but the great clouds of the saints that will come with him in heaven. That's what the saints are referred to in the spirit world. It is clouds. That hasn't happened yet. None of us have seen Jesus in the sky. None of us have heard him shout with a mighty voice. None of us have seen heaven physically, maybe sometime in a vision or in a dream perhaps, but physically None of us have been carried away up into the heavens. So what do you and I have? We have hope. It's not imagination. It's not just frivolous thinking. It's not just creative right brain ideas or simply drawing up something that you would like to see happen in your life. Oh, no. When you step into the presence of God, you are filled with God's great hope. And the hope is so strong and it's so real. It's like as if you are there. You and I have in the apostolic church one of the things that makes this type of Christianity so special that we have undeniable signs to show the glory and the presence of God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In this church, we have had supernatural, miraculous healings happen to people. We have had couples who were barren. God gave them conception, and their babies are with us to this day. Praise the Lord. Some of us here, if it had not been for the Lord, you and I would have died long ago. But through the hand of the Lord, you and I are alive to this day. Some of us in here, we were on the verge of losing everything, our career, our house, our vehicles, our investments, everything. But through the supernatural working, the power of the Lord, God kept us and he restored us. And we are able, amen, to have provision to this day. Everybody, everybody has a story to tell. Everybody has the signs that God is real. But even though we have hope, even though we have power, Even though we have a great future in store with us, that does not exempt the church from suffering along with this world. I know many of us would like to think we are completely exempt from every sickness in this world. Well, you and I are all sons of Adam. 
That is why this earth desires the revelation of the sons of God, because it has gone, grown weary of the sons of Adam who became the sons of Satan. This world has grown weary of the sons of Adam who became the sons of Satan, and it is looking for the revelation of the sons of God to come. A son of God is not just simply spoken of from a male perspective, but rather it means an heir of God. That's why ladies in this church can say, I am a son of God. What you are saying is, you are an heir of God. You have received the inheritance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that happens when you are born again, as it is taught in John chapter 3. Nicodemus asked the Lord, shall a man enter into his mother for a second time? And the Lord said, oh no, you have to be born again of water and of the Spirit. That is how you are born again into the kingdom of God. You can't get into the kingdom of God by getting into a spaceship and flying to it. You can't get into it by being transformed like they do in Star Trek or whatever out there. You can't do it. Teleported, you can't do it. You can't sign a contract or do some type of agreement on paper. Oh no, it is done through the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. The thing that Jesus did to begin his ministry was baptism. To fulfill all righteousness. And it was one of the last things that he taught. That's why baptism is so special and so important because it is a part of your obedience in your new birth experience. Praise God. When Jesus came up out of that water, a holy voice spoke a man from the heavenly realm down upon him. And that voice said, this is my son. And when you and I are baptized, the heavenly voice doesn't so much come up above, but rather it comes from within us. And that is the sign of speaking in other tongues. It is God witnessing inside of you that this is my child. This is my son. Praise God. But you and I still have suffering. You and I still have to go through what much of this world goes through. Does that mean that God has forgotten us? Does that mean that God has forsaken us? Oh no, it is just simply life that we have to endure. He didn't come to take away all the pestilence. He didn't come to erase every earthquake. He didn't come to destroy every natural disaster. Oh no, but he came to save us from all of those things for all eternity. Something even greater, something even better. When we suffer, and you will, the Bible says that the Spirit of God helps our weaknesses. The Spirit of God comes and comforts us in the time of suffering and in the time of weaknesses. It says that the Spirit itself intercedes for us through us. Praise God. You know, Paul said, when I speak in tongues, my spirit prays. Meaning your human spirit, most often, whenever we speak in those heavenly languages, it's our spirit that prays. You think about this, no show of hands, but how many of you have ever been praying in tongues and you're thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch that Sunday? You know, you're thinking about what you got to do the next day. I know I have. You know why you're doing that? Because 
When you speak in tongues, you're not speaking from here. You're speaking from here. Your mind can be on something totally different, but your spirit is crying out, trying to war against that flesh. While you're thinking about pizza, your tongues, your spirit is offering praise unto God. Praise the Lord. But this right here in Romans talks about something even deeper. Something so powerful and so special. And if you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. It will help you get through any trial. It will help you get through, amen, any problem, any dark time in your life. And it is when the Holy Spirit intercedes for you. Intercession is simply just standing in the gap for somebody. You know, for those of you that have somebody very much you care about, a friend or family member, somebody that does not know the Lord or has walked away from the Lord and you pray for them, you know what you're doing? You're interceding for them. You're putting yourself in the way, right in the middle between them and the enemy, right in between them and hell. You are interceding on their behalf. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit does this for us. When the suffering is so bad, you don't even know what to pray. When the trial is so deep and so hard and so serious, you don't even know how to ask God to fix it. When that time comes and you will yield yourself to it, the Holy Spirit comes. And it's not your spirit praying or definitely not your mind praying, but rather the Holy Ghost comes inside of you and manifests and prays through you. Amen. I remember seeing this when I was a little boy in a family situation of a family in this church. I remember watching the father kneeling down at the altar and I heard him groaning. That's the only way to describe it, but it was sounds coming out of him that I'd never heard before. And it terrified me at first and then I realized it's not him it's not a force of darkness, but it's rather God speaking through him to help him during a very dark time. And we do that here in this church, and there's freedom for that here in the house of the Lord and also in your home or wherever you may be when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. It is very difficult to even speak the words. It is difficult to even sound it out. But I'll tell you something that I really like about this. It says the Holy Ghost will speak through you. That is the greatest sign of the Holy Ghost. It is through the words that we speak. It comes out of the mouth. And let me tell you what, I know God hears our prayers. I know God loves to hear our voice, but there is nothing he likes more than the words of his own spirit. The prayers of his own spirit. That is how we get through the suffering. Praise God. He then says in the last portion of the passage, that all things work together for the good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. If you love God, and you know you do, and you're called according to his purpose, you should know that. If you're missing any of those two elements in your life, you can take care of that in just a few seconds. Pouring out your love for God, giving your life totally to him, surrendering everything to him, and saying, Lord, I will follow your purpose. When you have that, everything in your life that ever happens, as long as you walk in the wisdom and the understanding of the word, the spirit, our bishop, this church, everything like that, everything that happens to you is for the good. You think about this. This is a, an example often used for this passage. You take all the ingredients that it takes to make a cake. 
know, you have flour, you have sugar, you have salt, you have raw egg, you have icing, you have this, that, all the other candles. You think about it, a lot of those ingredients taste terrible by themselves. Raw eggs, not very good and not very safe to eat, by the way. Just plain salt by itself, flour by itself, it's not good. But you mix all of those things together, and it makes something very delicious. That is the way our life and our walk with God is. There are things in your life, God's recipe for you, that by themselves taste absolutely delicious. You know, receiving the Holy Ghost, that's a great taste. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Being baptized is phenomenal. But when you go through the pain of this life and suffering in this world, I don't like that. Nobody likes that. But there is an aspect of suffering that you get to know the Lord through it. Paul said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. There is something about suffering that brings us closer to the Lord like never before. It's nice to gather together for worship service here at TLC. But we also gather together for weddings. Oh, we love those, don't they? Those are so nice. It's so neat to see a bride and groom begin their lives together on the wedding. But then we also have in this church funerals. Those are sad. But there's something about suffering and sadness that brings everybody together. And God says, in your walk with the Lord, you're going to have both. And it takes both to get you to heaven. You think about this. From the time you're saved to the time to heaven, if all that ever happens in your life is nothing but good, no pain, no suffering, would you still serve the Lord? Would you still have a dynamic, powerful prayer life? Probably not. But it's the suffering and the goodness of this life that has its way of balancing to work the goodness of God to lead us to God revealing himself through us. Amen. And the resurrection that is to come. Can you say amen? The musicians would come. When you're suffering, remember these three things. Hope in God. Hope in the resurrection. Secondly, intercession, letting the Spirit of God pray through you. And then thirdly, learning to let God work it out for the good. When you suffer along with the world in this present time, have hope in God. Let the Spirit of God intercede through you and let God work it out. Hope intercession and let God work it out that is the pathway from here and now until the revealing of our glorified immortal bodies with the son of God let me hear you say glory 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 as it speaks of God manifesting his glory through us it just simply means God bestowing upon us his reward For us to become renowned, honored for our notable achievements for him. And adding his magnificence and his great beauty upon our bodies. It is just simply God taking his glory, his power, the manifestation of his presence and putting it upon his people 
to be renowned, to honor them for their notable achievements for him and to add his magnificence and his great beauty unto us. That is why you and I are disciples of Christ. We follow him. In this present age, we live exactly how he lived for those three and a half years. But it doesn't just stop there. The day will come when we not only followed him in this life, but we will follow him to where he is for all eternity. And to be like him, he will change us and make us just like him. We don't know exactly what that will be, although the Bible says we will be known as we are known. It also says in that passage, we will put away the childish things and become an adult. If you think about this, how many memories do you have of your young childhood years before the age of five? I don't have a whole lot. We're not meant to have a whole lot of memories like that. And I think that is how it will be in the resurrection We will think back to the former life and just have a few memories. And I'd like to think we will remember when we were baptized. We will remember when we were filled with his spirit. We will remember God at certain moments, key moments in our life, when he was working things out for our good to lead us to that very point. But the beautiful thing about it all is that creation will no longer groan. Creation will no longer travail. And this world will no longer have to deal with fallen mankind. But you and I will be revealed to creation as God intended. And that is for us to be like God himself. He wants us to rule and reign with him. Whenever you think about these things, the trouble that you're in doesn't really mean much. I remember when we would travel down to... Arkansas at Grandma Dyson's house. This was before they opened up a real nice interstate. It's now a real nice, easy, beautiful drive, but it used to be you had to go through those Ozark Mountains. And if you know anything about that as a kid being in the back seat, that means car sick is coming. Long, tiring trip. And not only that, but it could be very boring at times. And I remember on that trip, all I could think about was Grandma Dyson's cooking. And the time we get there, the trip was worth it. Once you sat down to dinner, it didn't matter the things that it led up to. The car sickness, the hot car, the boring trip, the this or the that. It was worth it all when you got there for supper. That's the first thing we do when we get to heaven, isn't it? It's supper. It's supper with the Lord, with each other and with the angels. And when we sit there at that table, every pain, every amount of suffering that you and I will have, it will mean absolutely nothing. If anything, it'll be worth it to get there to that moment, to have God reveal himself through us in the immortal body. This is our hope. This is our promise. And the Spirit wants to do everything it can to help you to make it to that day. And God wants to have his goodness and his mercy poured out upon you to make it to that day. So don't let the suffering discourage you. Don't let the pain in this life bring you down, but rather let it motivate you to believe in this God and to reach out for him. Can you say amen? Let's all stand together with our hands raised, amen, to our Lord who is glorified forever in heaven. And let's just thank him, amen, for this present age that we are in right now. 
If you're going through something, why don't you just praise God for it? We've been complaining about it long enough. When's the last time you said, Lord, I thank you, God. I just thank you, God, for the trouble that we're in right now. In a weird way, Lord, we're thankful for COVID-19. For look what it did for a lot of us. It slowed a lot of our lives down. It got us back into prayer. It got us back in the word. It got us, amen, to focus on our priorities. I thank you, Lord, for the corruption. God, it helped us see clearly, Lord, amen, that we can't put our trust and our hope in man. But by God's grace and the kingship of our Lord, amen, that's really what we're looking for. Amen. If you're excited to be amen, a son of God, if you're excited, amen, this hope that we have that's coming in heaven, I invite you to step out of your seat and let us come down here to this altar and prepare our hearts for the coming of the Lord. It's not immediate, but it is drawing near. It's not here and now, but it is approaching. Amen. The Lord said it would happen and it is going to happen. The signs are all around us. Amen. The Lord said he wouldn't leave us nor forsake us. He is coming back. And when he comes, amen, he will appear and change us to be like him that we may dwell with him for all eternity. This is not our home, church. That's why you'll never feel at home and comfortable in this world. But our home is in heaven. Our true inheritance is for spiritual things. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody get your mind on heaven right now. Get your heart on heaven right now. Amen. That's the goodness that the Lord is leading us to. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, somebody. Let the Spirit of God intercede through you right now. Amen. It's hard to say it. It's hard to speak it, but let the Spirit pray through you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Spirit, intercede for us tonight. Spirit, intercede for us tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.